It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast featuring interviews with the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Jaime Black. I host this podcast at ChicagoverseUnlimited.com. This week, an interview with Brian Schofel and Miles Benjamin of Eyes and Ears Entertainment. Here's how that sounds. Jaime Black here at the Eyes and Ears Entertainment offices downtown Wicker Park, and I am here with Brian Schofel and Benjamin Miles from Eyes and Ears. How's it going, gentlemen? Real good. Oh, yeah. 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 I've been watching what you guys have been doing for a while. I think it's really, really interesting, and I wanted to just be able to catch up with you guys at some point. Um, we're here at the, kind of the end of a work day on a Thursday because I'm really intrigued and captivated by the work that you guys are doing. So for anybody who doesn't know, let's kind of start off with going through what Eyes and Ears Entertainment is, like what kind of work you guys do and, and filling people in on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we focus mainly on interactive builds for... Right now, probably 90 to 95% of music artists. So labels, management agencies will call us when they have a single coming out, a full length coming out, their mid-cycle, there's a tour coming up, whatever. Um, and sometimes they'll call with a goal or a campaign idea in mind. And sometimes they'll just call with you know, a clean slate and just say, hey, here's a single, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. So we'll build cool things on the internet that make people have fun. Yeah, man, and it's awesome. Uh- I was looking online, and there's some awesome examples of your work. There's some great portfolio representations, but I couldn't find kind of a bio story. I couldn't really find an origin for the company. So do you guys want to kind of run through how this company, how Eyes and Ears came together, and maybe even give some background on yourselves, those who are involved, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, totally. And I know Austin will probably chime in real quick here, too, because me and Austin started Eyes and Ears in October 2009. after we both worked at JMA for a while. Austin worked there for maybe a year. I worked there for about four months. And then we started working, doing a lot of direct-to-consumer work with a company called Topspin. Uh, so we would just run you know, data acquisition campaigns into you know, e-commerce pre-orders with deluxe bundles, like you know, all that fun stuff. But uh, that got really boring. And then we started doing some light interactive campaigns. Uh, and then we, you know, we'd always known Miles and Keith and I guess probably after, you know, a year and a half or so doing just straight up D2C work, uh, we started collabing with them in like the, towards the end of October or September 2011, and then just kind of went head on in interactive. You know, I think we did Manchester Orchestra, Sean, The Shins, and then Kesha, and then just since then it's been like pretty much nonstop. Well, I definitely want to talk to you guys about some of the artists that you've done some campaign work for. I don't I'd say campaign. That makes it sound like it's like a political Oh, thing. no, it totally is. But, campaign you know, work, yeah. But, yeah, they're campaigns. Uh, but let's kind of, like, first look at, again, because I think that there are going to be people who maybe don't know, what all goes into creating a digital campaign, a design campaign for these artists? Pretty, it's, a, it's such a wide range from everything that we do as far as our focus being interactive, which I think has a unique... A direction in and of itself versus like just building let's say like a website for somebody or something that's very static or just um, you know informational what we do traditionally is to promote like a single a single release or a tour or a piece of content that's coming out and we kind of a lot of times take like a game approach with that so it, it'll be giving the fans something for doing something whether that's like you know playing a game or tweeting or being social so a lot of like the preliminary, at least conceptual part goes into just what is going to engage the user, what's the content we have to work with. And a 
lot of times, I mean, we all come together on that, but that's like, you know, a lot of uh, Brian here sitting around kicking off an idea that will kind of mold into something um, and then just try it as much as possible, grow it as a team from there. Yeah, but how important are these campaigns to the artists? Because I think that there are some, I know like from working with a lot of different bands, talking to a lot of different bands, I think some of them don't even realize why social media is important yet. So what is it that these campaigns, this design and development work, the apps, all these things, what are they doing for artists and why are they beneficial? For sure. Uh, I mean, really, first and foremost, it's creating something where if you hear the track on the radio, if you see, you know, uh, a physical promo for the track, if you see the band in concert, and then you, you know, tie it back to the website and come to experience one of the campaigns we built, you want it all to tie together. So, you know, it's not so much that we really try to take technology and force it into music. It's like, it's just kind of like a natural vessel to, to do it with. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, for some bands, it might not make sense to use Instagram, but for some bands, like, they really want to, you know, progress using that and like progress visually. So it makes sense to use Instagram because it's going to be a catalyst for them getting more involved in it too. Or, you know, for certain level artists, they really want to push sales. So certain ways like, you know, that the campaigns are angled or set up or that, the, you know, just the, the flow, the step process that the fans taken through before they get, you know, into the experience, the way that they're funneled through it um, can really drive sales or can drive, you know, viral activity through Facebook or Twitter or, you know, email pickup. So, I mean, it really varies as, in terms of like what it does for the artist is really what the goal is behind the campaign. Because sometimes they'll just come at us and be like, I mean, we just want something cool. Like, yeah. we're not, you know, our base is here. We're not worried about it. We really just want to keep fans on the website for a really long time. So that's the goal. Yeah, I think, like, our track record is, um, has been pretty experimental technology-wise, which has what drives us as people is being technology people, even though in, we're in the music industry. So a lot of times it is that cool factor. It's that, that hey, no one's done this. No artist has even tried this. You know, it might not work for everybody, but for those that it works, like, they're going to have a, a really good experience and always tie this band or this brand to it. Something like what we did, I think, in the case of, like, John Mayer. Like, this is so, so experimental that it almost didn't work, but it right. did. <laughs> what did you guys do with John Mayer? Uh, we set up a campaign uh, around his single Shadow Days. So, you know, what, right before he put out his record, uh, what was the last record called? I don't even remember. It was that one with remember. the crazy cover art. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, go on. So, yeah. Um, so, Born and Raised. Born and Raised. Born and Raised. And that's that was what it was about. Right. So, <laughs> he put out that single, Shadow Days, um, which was about, you know, kind of getting over your past and, you know, breaking through to the other side. And then he came back down with that throat, that th the polyps on his vocal cords where he couldn't sing for 12 months. And it was maybe two, two months before the record came out. And... His doctor said he couldn't tour on the record cycle. So it was right before they were about to start filming a video and like start prepping for tour. So the video for Shadow Days is a documentation of a road trip from Los Angeles to Montana, which he lives in Los Angeles. He has his, you know, whatever mountain house, whatever he has there in Montana. As we all do. Right, of course, yeah, yeah. naturally. <laughs> um, so it was just a really cool documentation, really well shot. Um, of that trip so we thought it'd be really cool to give fans the experience of doing that on their own so being able to say cool I'd like to go from Chicago to LA or I'd like to go around my hometown from you know 
maybe I missed home, so I wanted to go from Boston back to Jersey, right? So I could go type in the address of where I was in Boston, type in the address of where I wanted to go, and using the Google Maps image API, it would pull all those in and basically set a video so that you could experience it full screen, you could click and experience little, you know, your little imagery going down a yeah, really Muppet cool style kind of mar marked you on the map and <laughs> right. you, and it always like would be the length of the song no matter what so it was like you were experiencing your own road trip as a music video yeah right. without having to actually pay for gas exactly. right totally, yeah. yeah well i mean and what you guys are talking about like how important is it now for the music industry and not even just for the music industry to know how to code to know how to do design to know how to do all these things because now you see all these articles all this discussion about like should children learn to code in elementary school? Like, how crucial is that? So, like, how beneficial has that been to what you guys do in terms of knowing that and being able to move forward with it? I mean, personally, I think it's been the uh, a large core principle to why we've excelled the way we have in the last year or two. I mean, without that development angle, um, without our years of programming behind us, which we all come back, like, most of us come from backgrounds in. Not me. Well, that's all right, though. We can't, you can't all be coders. But it, it is, I mean, I, I think that's what gives us that, you know, that interesting story to tell that we can, we can, like, envision something and be like, we want to build this for you, you know, this idea. Um, but I think, yeah, should, like, kids be coding? Absolutely, like, the mindset of, of, of a developer is always useful, but it's also, like, a team effort of at least the way that we work with, like, overlapping design, development, and I, I won't get nerdy and break those down. Sure, but yeah. Like, <laughs> but a lot of those overlap. Even even Brian can code to some extent, which helps him when he's, you know, bringing an idea to the table to knowing, like, where we should go or how far we can take it. And a lot of times he'll be like, now, can we take it farther than that? And we are, a lot of times, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll try it, you know. And But everybody in this room has some sort of understanding and, and more than a basic understanding of development and just the principles behind that and technology. Well, something else I think that's really impressive when I look at the portfolio, the, the catalog of your work, is the, the size of some of these artists. You know, like you're not working with small-scale indie artists solely. It's like there's some big names. There's Kesha, there's Bieber. Like who are some of the big names and some of the notable artists that you guys have worked with? Uh, I think recently uh, we worked on... The Bruno Mars record, we worked on Kesha's last record. Um, we worked on the ASAP Rocky record that just came out. We did a Spotify interactive takeover for, for Bieber. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. what else. We've done a lot of stuff for, I mean, we're doing all the new Demi Lovato stuff. Like, right, yeah. All that, yeah. We've had some, we've had <laughs> some like, throwbacks, too. We've got... You know, GCJ, oh, Offspring. Yeah. Depeche Mode. Wow, Depeche yeah, Mode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we get, like, it's... Yeah, it's, it's old and new. But it is. It's, it's yeah. fun, yeah. Well, I mean, these are, like, huge names. They're impressive names. Some of them, like, you look at Depeche Mode, that's, like, a heritage act. Like yeah. Kind it's, of like, the legend. first time I got geeked out about, like, yeah. working an artist. Yeah. And so, you know, like, when I was looking at those, I wondered, do you guys ever get responses from the artists? Do you ever hear personally where they're like, oh, my God, this campaign, this this design work, this is all awesome, thank you? Or yeah. Or is it always just through, like, the public? Yeah, totally. No, we've had, um, you know, I think we worked with this band, Ms. Mister. Mm -hmm. um, who is it's actually Lizzie from Neon Gold okay uh, it's her new band so we did we premiered their their album exclusively on Tumblr and we got you know some really nice emails back from the band and then 
couple. Of, who else do we get? And I got like that, the biggest hug in the world from Big Frida. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Big Frida she game us, for sure. Know, yeah. Um, uh, you know, young guns. They sent like a video. They sent a video. Like thank nice, you. Like everyone. Saying yeah. That's pretty awesome. Kesha, Kesha really liked the warrior campaign that we did. Yeah. That was fun. I think like we've all we've all at least by now hit that band or worked with that band that were like, I can't right. believe we get to work with yeah, this. I totally. know for me that was like the shins or. Sure. I think I won't speak um, your way over there, but I know like the Beck project for Keith was a, was like a pretty a big milestone, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. Well, something that I think is going to sound cynical and might be cynical, but I think the question is at the forefront of looking at the level of professionalism in your work. I'm not trying to like suck up here, but like the the level of professionalism and the size of some of these names, the the kind of like reach of some of the talent I think it'd be easy to look at it and think why are you guys in Chicago why aren't you in LA why aren't you in San Francisco you know like for the tech scene LA for the music scene maybe New York to you know be where everything is why are you guys in Chicago when it seems like over the last few years people have just been exodusing out of this city this guy lives in LA and New York most of the time anyway I'm here <laughs> I mean I'm actually in Chicago maybe maybe like seven to ten days a month okay so I'm either, I'm generally, I spend like a week or so in New York and a week or so in LA on the West Coast. Um, and then also split time down in Nashville. Um, oh, so that was another one on my list yeah, where I was going to be like, totally. or Nashville or yeah, Austin, you know? I love Nashville. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's where all, I mean, I don't think we really have, maybe we did some stuff for the Tomorrow Never Knows Festival this mm -hmm. past year, but I don't think, I don't think we've had a Chicago so client yeah. since probably 2010. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I love the city. Quality of life here is great. So, I mean, it really comes down to that. You know, it's the live work balance where I don't really want to live in New York because, you know, I'd have to pay, what, three oh times, gosh, exactly. three times amount to like live and yeah. work and all that and just whatever. And then LA, whatever, you just waste so much time driving around. That sucks. So, and this is kind of just, where just it all came together, too. Yeah, I mean, and we all met here, so it's, yeah. it's just good. And it's easy to split coasts, you know? Yeah. It's a few hours to L.A., it's a few hours to New York. It's just, I don't know, to me it just makes sense. It's an hour to Nashville, so. Chicago just feels so much like, I mean, over the last two decades, really, like, if you, I mean, even the three decades, like the house, the industrial, up through, like, the alternative, and the, there's been so many movements, the pop punk stuff, like now the hip-hop and EDM stuff. Chicago's seen so many movements, and, and it seems like it's such a breeding ground you know so it makes sense that you would spend some time in LA and New York sure. that's kind of where everyone goes but keeping the Chicago roots here I think is really cool because yeah. there's such a wealth of talent that springs up here I think it's just because everyone gets bored over the winter I, th I think <laughs> you know? it really is and I don't know it's just way easier to work here it's it's a lot easier to come back here and focus for me anyway yeah to come back here and focus you know um like when I come back from being on the road or whatever it's just easier to you know collect my thoughts and get ideas from my brain on the paper and stuff and just have a good spot to like meet with everybody. Yeah, I think if we had to do like a two-hour drive home after a long day of work like in L.A. or something versus yeah. walking five minutes, it sure. would be a little bit different staying super yeah. late and staying yeah. on the routine that we do. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of the big artists. We've kind of skimmed on some of the campaigns, but I wanted to throw a couple names your way and get your thoughts on these campaigns, kind of have you explain what went into them, you know, how it was received, any of that stuff. So let's start with one that really grabbed my attention as sure. being really 
innovative and creative and just pretty engaging, which is the ASAP Rocky campaign. I just thought that that was awesome. Actually, uh, Ryan here did the uh, design on that. And uh, we've been working for, uh, we've done a couple projects now with this company called Twilio, and it's like a phone API, yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so we just started experimenting more and more with um, being able to have people call in, build our own menu systems, and use it in a way that you would normally never see done with the band, like having a phone number attached with something, especially. And, and then there's something very intimate about a voicemail because you can't undo it. Like, right. the, uh, you have a fan call in, and they pour their heart out into it, and that's that. Like, it's done. It's recorded. And then in return, you know, for doing something that, that is pretty risky for a fan to do, you know, we allow them to enter, enter their phone number in and unlock a, a piece of content um, or even get a call back from the artist, in this right. case, ASAP. So, you know, it all just kind of came together from different ideas we'd thrown around. Um, people call in, use the Twilio API which then record or downloads that and uploads it to a private SoundCloud in which we can output on the front end, manipulate. And in this case, we even did a little bit of uh, experimenting with the Web Audio API to slow the audio down, which kind of adds a fun angle to yeah, it. Yeah, I saw you, know. you could like chop and screw it. You yeah, two, like, yeah. yeah, so it makes, kind of makes some funny, <laughs> <laughs> some funny things happen, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was just a, it was a fun campaign to, to try to figure out creatively because Obviously, the label wanted to to focus a bit on mobile because, right. you yeah. know, his his demographic and you know just his basic following spends a lot of time on their phones and just you know like urban hip hop music in general is just taken in much more mobily than than other genres. So yeah. it was good to be able to focus on that and do it in a creative way that wasn't boring or wasn't you know like just a basic mobile like text for content campaign. Right. Um, so it was fun because it seemed to connect really well with his fans and, and people liked it. It was just, yeah. And it was fun to, you know, work with the dudes at Twilio and everything. And it seemed like a good, I got a good response. Yeah. I feel like I saw it written about, talked about a lot. Totally, yeah. That was the other thing, too, is, you know, the, the label also wanted to, to be able to garner some press out of it that was a little bit, you know, outside the general lane that they might get press from. Right. So, yeah, yeah it was nice. It was definitely a fun, effective campaign. And from a fan perspective, I mean, some of those, there's literally, like, Girls crying. girls crying yeah. on yeah. there, just like people, like guys calling in and just like laying down some freestyle verses. Yeah, just, totally. It's it's pretty pretty cool to, to see the response from it. I think anything that gets fans really engaged and where they feel like they get to be close to the artist is kind of like really invaluable, you know, because people remember sure. that, you know. Um, Muse, another group that just has a hugely passionate fan base, has a global reach, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was... Um, we did two things over the one thing in September we did a, a live Twitter Q and A for them mm -hmm. um, to premiere the stream of second the second law, law, which was awesome. That was that was one of those ones we were like, which little pretty, known fact that that album streamed out of this office <laughs> off an iPad, <laughs> off an iPad to everybody, <laughs> that is awesome. to the whole yeah. world. <laughs> Keith uh, Keith set up our own streaming server, which we did that from which. There was definitely cigars and scotch to be had after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, they came at us because they wanted to do a, you know, a Twitter Q&A or um, be able to just engage with fans while they were listening to the record. Yeah. So, you know, we set up a little admin so that, you know, they, they were actually answering from all their personal accounts. And then the label is able to go in and view all their answers and everything and then pick the answers and the questions and everything that you know, were relevant or funny or that, you know, they really enjoyed and put them back out on the front end so that you saw the questions coming in and then you had a kind of conversational 
response that was, you know, the fans' question and then Muse's response. So it was a really fun way. And then all the Twitter avatars kind of like streamed in across the back. That was fun. Yeah. And then we did the, the, uh, the ticket giveaway, the which is still going on giveaway. for them right now, which is a, literally think of it like a live lottery, a ticket lottery, where every day at noon, you know, fans can come in and they're competing against however many other fans are on the website at the time. And if I click on something on my screen, it disappears on your screen and be hidden behind 10 or 20 of these is our chances to win VIP passes. Right. So that's been, it, that was definitely more on the experimental end, but it, um, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. It's been really cool to see fans, you know, responses. I think the label got, some fans sent the label a box of like loofahs and soap or something, some <laughs> super weird gift. But we, and then, and then when a fan gets selected to win by management, they have an admin to do that. They actually get pushed up on the, on the page. So all the other fans get to see who won. And, you know, it's right. just kind of like, some of these fans, like, stuff they're writing in, you know, they're it's like, I could it. never afford tickets, but yeah. this has been, you know, I'm trying to play every day. and Yeah. So. Giving people opportunities that they literally would not be able to pursue otherwise. Absolutely. Totally, yeah. Yeah. That was a fun one. Kesha. Kesha. Um, so that was our, we have a strategic partnership with a company in Los Angeles called the Uprising Creative. Yeah, yeah, I follow them on, on Twitter. Yeah, so they're super rad dudes like some of, you know, like our closest friends. And um, so they were doing, they did all the identity and the branding and the video and, you know, album packaging and such. And they designed the new website for the Kesha record. Um, so that was like a collaboration with them where um, they designed out these six icons that each represented a piece of content. Um, and then over the course of, I think it was about two weeks, right? Like two weeks before the record came out, um, every three or four days, one of those icons would be unlocked through a hashtag. Uh, when, when fans use the hashtag, it would slowly zoom in on a Google map revealing a location, which would had, had a four foot by four foot poster of the icon hidden at it. And so with a little unique code, so fans would have to run out, find this. When they typed in this little unique URL, they were prompted to sign in with Twitter or Facebook. And then once they did that, it unlocked a new piece of content globally. Dude, it's so, like MacGyver marketing. That's <laughs> what it really yeah. is. That one was that one was crazy, and like the response from it was was insane. You know, and actually that that kind of is a fun point. Like, not every fan base can handle no, that, but some no. but some can, and it's really fun. Like when we did work with Lincoln Park, or you work with Kesha, and you have these like fan bases who think everything's a conspiracy, everything is cryptic, and they're <laughs> right. like trying, you have, you have kids looking through your code, try, like find, trying yeah. to find things. I mean, even for this Demi Lovato thing, which we launched last week, we just put a little piece of like a hidden word in the source code thinking you know, no one would find it, but it was there on purpose. And right. before you know it, that word's all over Twitter. Yeah, like all these, over Twitter, all over blogs, you know, which was just the single title backwards and, Every, yeah, but everything gets under a magnifying glass at that point. These are the same these. fans who think that, like, Kanye and Jay-Z and Beyonce are in the Illuminati. And, like, <laughs> it pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's been so many Illuminati references with the new Kesha record. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. One final act that I wanted to ask about your campaign, and I think this one's going back a little further. I remember when this was happening. I obviously didn't know you guys were behind at the time. Empires, group of Chicago ties. Oh, yeah. Austin, chime in on that, dude. Empires, <laughs> we, did, uh, we did the video thing. For um, for the acoustic track, remember we did the Vimeo like, man, that was like two years ago. That was that was yeah, like three it's a little years bit. Um, okay, I think what we did is there was like a threshold. It was like one of the first. It was like the first interactive campaign we ever did. Like the first like, 
customized content on Lockdown. Right. Dude. So First we just had like that. Actually, people paid attention. Yeah, to that people <laughs> actually did. Um, well, they they had this really cool video they were right. released on Vimeo. Um, we tapped on their API and basically set a threshold, and it was something to the effect of if X amount of people come and watch this, uh, then I forget what content we unlocked for them. It was it was, like a, uh, it was an acoustic, acoustic version for the yeah, yeah. the track, single yeah. of whatever. Of, uh, I forget what the single is called. At yeah, the time, and it actually but. worked in a timely manner. Like I think we launched on like a Thursday or Friday. Yeah, and, and by the by next Monday, it was like unlocked. Yeah, and it was like their fastest. It was like the fastest video amount of video views they'd ever had or something. Which was yeah, still, I think yeah. it was like you know. It was modern, it was like twenty five hundred or like three thousand views or something, but for that band it was really it was yeah, for a local Chicago band over a couple yeah. of days. Absolutely. Grew, yeah. solid. Grew their email list. It was just like yeah, it was a really fun campaign. And their branding was really good too. Yeah, and those guys record. have always had really good like positioning and, and imaging online. Yeah, for sure. totally. In addition to being a great band. And good dudes. Yeah. Super yeah. good dudes for totally. sure. Well, you know, what's next for Eyes and Ears Entertainment? Where do things go from here now with what you guys are doing? I mean, I think Austin, I know you got your back to work. You want to chime in first? Um, where do we go from here? Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we're doing right now, like with the Kesha unlock and all these like really cool content unlocks, uh, we just want to keep going with that um, and try and integrate like the physical space, uh, you know, with our digital. And that's really broad, so we're still trying to figure out what that means. But, you know, we've been toying around with uh, weird stuff like projection mapping, um, motion graphics, I think, you know, starting to talk to brands and, and actually getting like um, a larger team or at least a team that can pull off some of these like bigger ideas. But I think it's just like going down that rabbit hole further yeah. and coming up with cool ideas for, uh, for whoever wants to work with us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that leads me to my final question, which is like if, if an artist, if a label, if a brand, whoever wants to work with eyes and ears, like, what do they need to do to get in touch with you guys? What's the best way to approach yeah. it? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, really just going to our website, we have a nice little contact form that lets people, you know, kind of walk through what their project is, walk through any, you know, budget limitations or exceptions, kind of what they had in mind, what they want to do. And like basically just letting other people introduce themselves in their project. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our website's built by E&E.com. Mm -hmm. um, or also I think eyesandearsentertainment.com redirects to that, but either way. Um, but yeah, I mean, really just going to the website uh, is the best way or hitting us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, is, is pretty, I mean, everyone's always checking that for sure. Awesome. Well, Brian... Benjamin, Austin, and everyone else uh, in the room. Thank you guys so much for taking some time to kind of really like shed some light on this. Again, I think it's all really interesting, really captivating stuff. And I think that these kind of campaigns, these kind of engagements, there's so much the way that things are going to be happening more and more in the future. I think artists don't, or rather fans don't want to be passive in the process anymore. They want to be a part of it. So very cool to see, really cool to see it happening out of Chicago. And thank you guys for taking the time. Cheers, man. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. This has been the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast. Thanks to Brian Schofel and Miles Benjamin of Eyes and Ears Entertainment for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.